Lord's got big things in store for us here in a few minutes. Our country has a terrible, life-destroying lie sweeping our culture and taking our kids hostage, this terrible idea that a boy can become a girl and a girl can become a boy. It's even being taught in elementary school. Our kids are being lied to that they have a choice. When God says, I made you male and female, and there is no choice, many American Christians are distraught, wondering how, to, how can this happen? It's so plainly a lie. How can this sort of insanity sweep our nation and destroy kids' lives? We've got teenage kids cutting their reproductive organs off, and, and they're ruined for the rest of their life. If you didn't know it, you need to know that there are more ex-transgenders than transgenders. There are more people who thought they wanted to be that and then regretted it than are currently living in it. But those voices are completely silenced in the public and in the media and in the culture because Satan wants to hijack our kids. Part of what's going on is that the transgender sexual revolution is just the next step in the sexual revolution. So those of you in your 70s and 60s cannot be too accusatory because you're the ones that opened the door. You're the one that took sex out of the marriage bedroom and brought it into every bedroom. And then every generation from then on has just had to push the envelope. Hello? It's just, it's just the next cycle where sex outside of marriage, it's always been there, but it was a private, shameful thing that had to be hidden. And then it was an accepted moral truth. And then homosexuality, and now transgender. It's just the next step. It's the next logical step, actually, in the progression of sexual sin and the trespassing of God's boundaries. It's also just the next generation of youth rebelling. Because each generation of youth has to come up and do something more shocking than the last one. To reject their parents, to reject the culture before them, to fight the man, to say, this is our identity, this is what we want to do. It's also, it's a way for people to get attention when they feel like they're not getting attention. A lot of it is just childish fantasies following the lies and the propaganda that the world has told them is possible. And they don't know any better, and they've been told it since the youngest ages, and so they decide, like all kids, even teenagers, are heavily steeped in imagination. Emotions are high, and imagination is high. And if I believe that it's a fact that I can choose to be something different, well then I'm not rebelling, I'm not fighting the man, I'm not trying to prove anything, I just decide that I want to be. Not everyone that makes these decisions has the same motives, is my point. Sometimes it's just that they lied, they got lied to and they have no frame of reference, they have no moral compass to know that it isn't true. And so in childish fantasies, they just decide that 
Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, sure, that's what I want to be. It is absolutely insane that our society is allowing this, that the medical system's going along with it, that the government is encouraging it. It's just politics and fear. But Satan is behind it all. But really, I don't want to talk about any of that. I want to talk about, this morning, the true believers. The ones who truly believe, I can change to be a boy, or I can change to be a girl. And I want to, and I need to, and I have this drive to do so. You know, the word, the really old word, used to be transvestite, which means cross-dresser. It, we all knew it was a man dressing like a girl. Well, that won't do at all because I'm not dressing like a girl. I am a girl or vice versa. So then for a little bit, the word transsexual was there. Well, that won't do at all either because you can't put ovaries in a boy. I won't list the other things we can't do. You can't put a womb in a boy and make him a girl. And you can't change anyone's chromosomes. So it's not transsexual. So it became transgender. The word gender is literally a language word. If you learned French or Spanish, you know that words have gender, either masculine or feminine. Either law or lay or, right? If you know the language, gender literally means it's only a word. If somebody says I'm transgender, it literally means I'm only saying this because gender is a language word, but it's still just insane. And I don't mean that word, I'm using that word on purpose. I don't mean it to be an insult. I don't mean it inflammatory. I'm going somewhere with this and I'm picking that word on purpose. It's literally irrational. It's unscientific. It's unnatural. It's impossible. It is pure fiction. It is a psychosis. It is demonic. It is pure insanity. God says in Deuteronomy 22, it is detestable to him if a man wears any garment that pertains to a woman. The word is abomination. It is detestable to him if a woman wears any garment that pertains to a man. Because that's literally all that's happening, except now we've added surgeries and puberty-blocking chemicals to it. And these people have destroyed their lives. And our government and our schools and our media are pushing it on them. So I want to talk to you young gentlemen who are 25 and younger. Do I have your attention, gentlemen? God made you a man. God said it in Genesis and Jesus quoted it in the New Testament. God made them male and female. God made you a man. You can never be anything else. He made you that on purpose because that's what he chose for you to be. He gave you the chromosomes and the body parts that it required to be a man. And God willing, someday you will be a father. You're a man and there is no other option. I want to talk to the young ladies, 25 and younger. You are a woman by God's choice. He gave you feminine, female chromosomes and feminine body parts and God willing, someday you will mother children with those body parts and you will never be anything else. It is a lie that we can change. God made them male and female. 
And the Bible says, God made us and not we ourselves. This is us making ourselves. And the Bible says that's impossible. So where does it come from when somebody genuinely believes that they want to and can change their sex? Because gender doesn't exist. How would somebody think that either they have a spirit lying to them or where I think it mostly comes from is rejection? It is the most serious type of self-rejection. I don't want to be me. I don't want to be who God made. That might come through the lies of a spirit that that person became subject to or inherited somehow or whatever, but, but it might have come from some pretty serious rejection in life, family, some sort of circumstance, some tragedy or trauma where the person got rejected. And so I don't love myself. I want to be a different person. I don't love who God created. I want a new identity. Transgenderism is a satanic counterfeit of this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The idea that you can change your gender or your sex is a satanic counterfeit of that. Because we would all like to get rid of the old us. Every person in the world, every person in history doesn't want to be themselves. And in Christ, it is possible to become a new creation. And the old is gone and the new has come. But Satan has tricked people into thinking, you don't need Jesus, you just need a scalpel. And you can become a different person. You just need to take some hormone pills and you can be a new creation. And it's a lie. It doesn't make them a new creation. It kills them. It destroys them. In rejection of who I am and what has happened to me and what I've lived through, I just want to forget it all and become a new person. Yes, we all do. So we either turn to Jesus or we turn to Satan. There is nowhere else to turn. So I think that the craziness of the idea that I can change my sex is just the fruit of rejection of self or somebody rejected me or hurt me or abused me and I don't want to be me anymore. It is self-rejection for sure, possibly, possibly because someone else rejected me where I haven't even started my sermon yet this is this is where this is where we're at right here listen closely unforgiven and therefore unhealed rejection leads to insanity unforgiven rejection is therefore unhealed rejection and that leads to insanity and we see that in the story of Cain let's go to Genesis 4 Cain kills Abel, and God rejects him. God banishes him, sends him out, and listen to what Cain says. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? By the way, we are our brother's keeper. 
If we want to have Cain's attitude that you're not responsible for other people, you're going to get Cain's results. And he said, God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Cain murders his brother. God rejects him. God banishes him from his home. There's the rejection. And what does Cain say? I'll never have a home. I'll always be moving and everyone will be out to kill me. What does the world psychologist call that? Paranoid schizophrenia. Everyone is out to kill me. Cain became a paranoid schizophrenic by our worldly language today because of rejection. I'm on the move all the time. I'm unstable. I never stay in a place. I never stay in a relationship. And I'm certain that everybody is out to get me. I've been a pastor for 14 years. I've talked to a lot of people with schizophrenia, both drug-induced and spirit-induced. I talked with two guys once in the church. I won't name any names because most of you know them, but they were all hopped up on meth, and they said they spent a week living under people's porches and in their crawl spaces under their houses. Here in LaGrande, people didn't know they were there. But we spent a week living under front porches and crawl spaces with binoculars looking out the holes for the people that were hunting us trying to kill us. You know there's a type of person that is so unstable they don't stick in relationships. They're on the move all the time. They never stay in a place. They never stay in a relationship. They're certain everybody's out to get them. There's always a different opportunity. You've got to move. You've got to go. And, and they're just driven. And it's crazy. It's rejection. Somewhere there's rejection in their past. Rejection results in madness. It's in Cain. If you know the Bible stories, I'm not going to go into them, but you can see it in the families of Ishmael and Esau, that they were rejected by their fathers and by God, and you can see what the results of their clans became. Rejection creates untrue thinking. Let me just say it that way. Rejection creates untrue thinking. Unforgiven rejection, unhealed rejection creates untrue thinking. Rejection is, at its most basic level, I don't want relationship with you. I don't love you, I don't like you, I don't want you, I don't take care of you, I don't accept you, I don't want to know you, I don't trust you, I don't want you in my life. That's what I mean when I use the word rejection. Uh, now, from here on out, I'm not talking about transgender. That was just an example of the extent how far this can go in rejection and self-hatred. But this rejection applies to a whole bunch of us, probably most of the people in the room, Maybe wanting to be a different boy or girl isn't your issue, but the person who has unhealed rejection wound is full of fear and feels unsafe because there was a primary foundational relationship like mom or dad that wasn't there. This person, as they grow up, learns that they're on their own. And so there may be really strong independence uh, distrust of other people and a distance in relationship, self-protection, self-provision. It may end up in hoarding because I have to save everything and provide for myself and I'm, I'm on my own. Even if they're married and have children and grandchildren and whatever else, the core of their being 
is afraid and they put up a front of strength and self-provision and protection and this person refuses to be vulnerable. I don't want anybody to really know me. I don't really want to be honest. This person could be really controlling and that's fear. It may look like they're just really smart and have all the answers and they're going to administrate the world. But the reason they administrate the world is because they want to make sure nobody else has any power over them. I'm not going to get hurt again. This person may have really powerful feelings of being alone. And I don't mean the loneliness that comes on all of us or the self-pity that falls on us occasionally, but this person is driven, tormented by aloneness and self-pity. And this is not a package deal as I go through all these symptoms. I don't mean you have to have all of them. If it's just three or four, you, you may have a, a rejection wound or even a rejection spirit. This person may cover their insecurities with bragging or mocking or bullying or false front of toughness of some sort. This person will likely have an inability to admit fault or accept responsibility for their behavior because I can't admit I'm wrong because if I'm wrong, then I won't be loved. I think what the world calls borderline personality disorder is really just rejection taken to a psychosis. There's always an excuse. There's always a good reason why they behave the way they did and they're never wrong. This person may rebel against authority and refuse to be corrected or critiqued or directed, or they may do absolutely everything they're told no matter what. But both of those responses on polar, are polar opposites, but they're both self-protection. I am not going to be controlled. I'm not going to be hurt or abandoned or left or judged again. So they may rebel against authority. They may refuse to be corrected or directed, or they, and they may be really sensitive, touchy people, hurt feelings often, or they may have an inability to hear, uh, to feel much of anything. They just learn to detach, they learn to withdraw. I don't feel anything, and I don't want to, because it hurt too bad when I did. There's frequent rejection of others, or there's a harmful, boundaryless acceptance of everyone. Like I let anyone and everyone into my life and I jump into bed with anyone and everyone and I move in with anyone and everyone and I just, everybody is okay. Or there's this self-sabotage of relationships and rejection and, and no one knows me and no one gets close. There could be self-rejection, self-loathing, suicidal tendencies, transgender thoughts, sabotage of self. This person may end their relationships by sabotage because at least if I end it, it's better than if I get left. I'm the one that breaks this up. At least I'm not the one who's getting broke up with. There might be an, a refusal to attempt accomplishment ever, or there might be perfectionist and the highest accomplishing, highest performing people. Either way, it's just I'm afraid of people and I don't want to try or I have to do it all perfect. Both responses, they sound like polar opposites, but they're both rejection. That I don't want to do anything or I have to be perfect in everything. The person with a rejection wound or rejection spirit is a high-stress, people-pleasing ball of anxiety. Always afraid of communication, afraid of rejection, 
either has an inability to say no, it just says yes to everything to keep everybody happy, or an inability to commit to anything. This person's 50 years old and never got anything done in life, just lived in the basement and played video games because I don't want to try. This person has a fear of being alone. I have to be in a crowd. I have to be the center of attention. I have to be the life of the party so that everybody likes me and loves me. Or they have an excessive shyness and isolation. They're unpleasable, unsatisfied, demanding, or maybe has no opinion at all ever. I don't ever want to say what I want because it'll get rejected. It'll get turned down. I'll get told I'm wrong. Or they just tell everybody else they're wrong all the time. I'm always right. You're not going to reject what I want. So there may be a fear of speaking up, a fear to assert your own thoughts. There's constant suspicion of what other people are thinking and saying about me. I mean, everybody has those thoughts every now and then, but this is to a tormenting level. I I can't function because I'm always wondering what, what people are thinking and saying about me when I'm not around. Concern for your reputation, an inability to maturely handle unfairness, this person holds grudges and, or, and refuses to forgive, or at least it's extremely difficult and lengthy to let go. There might be self-hatred and body issues. There might be detachment disorder, some aloof, uncaring, unattached attempt to just not get hurt again because I just don't care about anybody and I'm not going to form any relationships that I'm dependent on. This person is unstable like Cain, unstable in relationships and jobs. This person might have a victim mentality. Everybody's against me. Nobody loves me. They're constantly saying that, pouting, moping like Eeyore. And no matter how much they are reassured, they refuse to believe that they're loved or cared for. It's a wound of rejection, which becomes a spirit of rejection. I don't mean, when I say spirit, I don't mean a way of thinking. I mean it is a living being from hell that is lying to you. There are rejection wounds that cause us to think and feel certain ways. There are strongholds of rejection. The word stronghold is a fort. So I have fortified my rejection and I am protecting myself and that's in my, the way I think and the way I act and the way I schedule and organize my life. And there are spirits of rejection, which is a living being that is lying to you, that lives in the fort that you built. And it creates rejection that isn't there. It convinces you that everybody's against you and no one loves you and it isn't true. But when you believe something that isn't true, you make it true, and you end up being the one rejecting everybody around you because you believe the lie that everybody has rejected you. How did that spirit get there? Number one reason is your parents were not married or they divorced. Number one reason. We, America lives in Malachi 3. The hearts of the fathers are not with the children, and the hearts of the children are not with the fathers, and so the land is cursed. We're four or five generations into absolute devastating destruction of souls through destruction of the family. We're so far from what God wanted, we don't even know what normal should be. We're so steeped in dysfunction that it seems normal but it's not. 
If your parents were not married when you were conceived, or if your parents divorced, whether you were three or 23 or 43 when they divorced, you you need to listen to me really, really close. It is very likely that a lot of your issues in your heart and mind stem from not having a father or a mother that was there and that took care of you. Even if you have learned to live with it, even if you're on good terms with both your parents, even if you've said, I forgive, the Lord has some more work to do in you this morning. Number one, by far, where the spirit of rejection comes in is if your parents were not married or if your dad left the family or your mom abandoned you in some way, your parents got divorced, you're not whole the way God created things to be. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But you have to admit there's a problem so that Jesus can fix it. You have to at least admit it's true and I need help. Another way you could have gotten a spirit of rejection is if you were an unwanted pregnancy. If your mother thought or felt or said, I don't want this baby when you were in the womb, that affected you. If you were an unwanted or a fearful pregnancy, your mom didn't want to be pregnant or your mother didn't know how she was going to provide for you, it could have resulted in an opening of rejection where a spirit entered. If one of your parent, one or both of your parents didn't want or couldn't provide financially or emotionally for you, dad or mom, didn't want to or couldn't financially or emotionally provide for you, you could have gotten the idea that you rejected. If one or both of your parents were physically absent, emotionally unavailable, unnurturing, too busy for your concerns, rarely or never said, I love you, there was a lack of correct, loving, physical affection and touch in your house. If you felt on your own to provide for yourself from a very young age, you likely got the idea that you were rejected and you've learned some bad ways of thinking that aren't God's ways of thinking. If your parents didn't protect you from some harm or abuse, either they were doing it or didn't know it was happening or you told them and they didn't believe you. If you got the silent treatment or rage if you weren't perfect, that's rejection. If you were raised by TV or video games or on the street or at friends' houses or alone in your room much more than you were with your parents and your siblings, something was very wrong in your home. And it's not your fault, but you need to know it. That's not okay. You could have inherited it from your mother who already had a rejection in complex. It might not have happened in childhood. Mostly it does, but it might not have happened that early in life. It could have been a traumatic breakup that you didn't see coming and it just absolutely devastated you and it changed the way you think for the rest of your life. Like I could always be totally shocked by someone abandoning me. It could be in your marriage that your spouse committed adultery or left. It could be a spouse that refused you physically or emotionally, repeatedly without confession or repentance. Any lack of a healthy, nurturing, primary relationship for any reason could be either a rejection wound or create a stronghold of rejection in your thinking where you 
get these lies that you're unlovable or you're unacceptable or, or that live in fear constantly of sudden abandonment or that you're on your own and you have to be tough. Or it could be a spirit that enters through that wound and lives in that stronghold. Closely related to a rejection wound uh, that some counselors and other pastors, you might hear them talk about a father wound. None of us had perfect dads. Some of us had really great dads and others had really bad dads and others had no dads. But our fathers wound us in one way or another a lot more severely in some cases than others, either because they weren't there or because they were hideous people. But some of you picked up an orphan spirit on the way through your life journey where you just consciously or unconsciously, you figured out, I'm on my own. God made you to have a father covering, a man who loves you and loves your mom and takes care of you and physically provides for you and hugs you and kisses you and never does anything selfish toward you or with you or for you. And none of us had that perfect, but a lot of you can't even imagine what that might be like. But I have good news for you this morning. There is one. There is a father like that. But if you picked up an orphan spirit, I'm on my own, or, or my dad doesn't love me, my mom didn't love me, so I don't love me, so I want to be a new person. A lot of you, I know your dad really did reject you. He committed adultery on your mom and he left the family. Or he just never was in the picture. He got your mom pregnant and then you didn't even know him or you know who he is, but he has no relationship with you. I know there's a lot of really bad dads and you didn't deserve that. It's not God's plan. It's not his design for how we're supposed to grow up and live. But I want to just say this before we move on. Some of you, you're dealing with rejection and pain and father wound or whatever, but but your dad didn't reject you. I don't know how many this would apply to, but I know a lot of situations going on right now where mom rejected dad, kicked him out, he has no recourse, and she's lying to the kids that dad doesn't want to see you when she's not letting him have the kids. But when you're three or you're seven or you're 12, you have no idea. You just think dad doesn't ever come around. Dad doesn't want to see me. Why doesn't he come and pick me up for the weekend? I'm not defending your terrible dads, if that's the case. Um, And the situations I know of, I know some of you, your dad really did reject you. But in other cases, I just want to plant a little grace in your heart that maybe it wasn't all your dad's fault. Maybe your mom rejected him, forced him away, and he didn't have any other way. Or maybe he had his own demons to deal with, and that took all of his energy and his concentration, and he just didn't have anything left for you. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying maybe, maybe he did the best he could with his own demons. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be hurt by that. And we're here to deal with that this morning. Maybe dad just didn't understand and didn't know. He just didn't have the intellectual or the emotional capacity to be who you needed him to be. Maybe you had a family culture of manipulation and rejection. And... That's the way he grew up, it's the way your mom grew up, or whatever, it's just your family culture. Or maybe you have a family spirit, there are demons that follow families. And maybe your dad and your grandparents were so powerfully rejected that they just had nothing to give you. And it's just repeating the cycle through the years. I'm not defending your dad in his conscious choices. Um, 
I know, I know some of your stories, and I know a bunch of you have some really, really bad ones. I just wanted to, I, just, I thought the Lord wanted me to say that. You might be more loved than you know. I know there's a lot of men in prison who really love their kids. They were really, really, really stupid when they were younger, and they regret it to the point of a broken heart, and they can't go back and do anything about it. I just know that. I have good news for you this morning, that Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Jesus was rejected by his dad too. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by people, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way, and he was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried, and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. Isaiah prophesies this. 800 years or so before Jesus on the cross, that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior from God was going to be rejected by everyone and he would be acquainted with the deepest sorrow. Jesus felt more pain and sorrow than any person ever has. So when I tell you that he knows how you feel, I don't mean that he looks into your heart and he sees your feelings. I mean he has felt it all himself. Because he was rejected more than any of us have been rejected. He was rejected by every single human being on the planet plus God. And none of us have ever been rejected by God because Jesus took it. It happened on the cross. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is Arabic or Hebrew, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the word forsaken that Jesus used there means to totally abandon to leave helpless, to leave completely alone, to neglect and reject. Jesus was totally abandoned by God for us. He did it for us. He knew it was coming. That's why he sweat blood in the garden. I don't think Jesus was sweating blood because of nails and thorns. I think he was sweating blood because he didn't want to be completely rejected by his father. Because we all know that rejection hurts way more than a whip. And he knew it was coming. Because of his love for his father and because of his love for us, he did it. I know it's going to happen. I will feel it all. It wasn't just that God left him. God rejected him. Because he took our sin. And he, God had to reject that sin. Guess what? He became our rejection. He became our sin. He took it all. And then he died, which means rejection died. Come on, our sin died, rejection died, and God can love us and accept us because of what Jesus did. But I just need you to know, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He's felt everything you feel, and he knows. Galatians 4 Five through seven, God sent his son to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. God wants you. He picked you. When you adopt somebody, you pick them on purpose. God picked you on purpose to be his child. 
He could adopt us as his very own children. We are the very own children of God. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Abba is the Hebrew or the Aramaic word for father, but it's the familiar form, like daddy. Come on. The Bible says you can call God daddy. Jesus on the cross had to cry out, forsaken, so that we can cry out, daddy. I know it's a little weird, some of you, but you can do it. You can call God daddy. He said, I want you to, because the spirit of my son is in you, and you are my son or daughter, and you may call me father, you may call me papa, you may call me dad, you may call me daddy. I choose you, and I love you on purpose. I want you. We are no longer slave to sin, but God's own child. Romans 8, 15 and 16. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. That's where the line in the song comes from. But you received the spirit of sonship. You are a son and daughter of God. And by him we call, cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies in our spirit that we are God's children. And God is a father who will never leave you. He will never cheat on your mom. He won't abuse you. He won't use you. He won't ignore you. He won't walk away. You have a father that will never leave. He will never reject you. Ephesians 1, 4-6 says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world. God chose you. God picked you on purpose before he made the whole world. God said, I'm going to make Sarah Lynn my daughter. I'm going to make Garrett my son. Before the beginning of the world, I want Dale and Donna. They're mine. To be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. He has made us accepted in Jesus, the beloved. In Jesus. We don't have any access to Father God except by Jesus. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, you don't have access to God, but you're invited and you're welcome and you're wanted. You are invited to the house of God, to be in his family. Give your life to Jesus Christ and you are accepted in the beloved. Same verse in a different translation. In Christ, he chose us before the world was made. In Christ, he chose us before the world was made. And because of his love, God had already decided to make us his own children through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted and what pleased him. Come on, you are what he wanted and what pleased him. That'll make a few of you happier than you are. You are what he wanted and what pleased him. And it brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God freely accepts us. God freely accepts us in Christ, his beloved son. Amen. If anything I have just said in the last 45 minutes spoke to you, and you're like, yeah, I, I need that and that, and I have that and that and that, I want you to stand up. We're gonna, I'm going to lead you in some good words here. If anything I've just said, like, yeah, I have rejection I need to forgive. I have rejection I need to heal. I need Jesus. I need to work through this. It may be a little or it may be a lot. It may be a really old wound or a very fresh one. Doesn't matter. Jesus is here to heal you today. Okay? I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture Jesus standing in front of you and I want you to see him. Face is bloody. The crown of thorns is on his head and he's looking at you with his loving eyes. 
He knows how you feel. He knows what it feels like. He can have complete empathy with you because he was rejected by his father and he was rejected by everyone around him. I want you to say out loud, Jesus, I believe you understand me. And a lot of you in the room I know and some of you I don't know. So we're just going to do all this together. If for any of this to work, you're, you have to, in all sincerity, your life, your heart, your mind, your body has to belong to Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God and he is the only way to salvation. So for him to save you from what's happened to you, you have to be his. Jesus, I give myself to you. Be my savior. Please forgive me. Wash me in your blood. I'm yours. You have to put your faith in the word of God. So we're going to look at those scriptures again, and I want you to say these out loud between you and Jesus. We're not going to put them on the screen. I'll just reread it to you. He was despised and rejected by people. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Thank you, Jesus, that you are acquainted with deepest sorrow. I trust you and I believe you. You were forsaken for my sake. In Galatians 4, we read, God adopted us as his own children. Said, Thank you, God, for adopting me. I am your own child. And the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Say, Abba, Father. Abba. Now translate that to English, and I want you to call God out loud. I want you to call him Daddy. Daddy, here I am. I need you. I need to be fathered. I need to be loved. I need to be healed. I need to be set free. In Romans 8, we read that we have received the spirit of sonship. I am a son or daughter of God. Out loud, everybody that's standing. I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm God's own child. In Ephesians 1, we read that he chose us before the creation of the world. Thank you, God, for choosing me. I believe you picked me on purpose because you love me. You want me. Thank you for choosing me. And we read that he has made us accepted in the beloved. You need to say it out loud. I am accepted in Jesus Christ. I am accepted in Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this is between you and God privately, but you need to do it out loud because you need to hear this and Jesus needs to hear this and the demons need to hear this. You can put your hand over your mouth and whisper as quiet as you need, but it must be out loud. Forgive the person that rejected you. Name them. Say it. I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad, my older brother. Whatever the case is, I forgive my spouse. Out loud, verbally, not just think it. Now, your eyes are closed. I want you to picture yourself standing before God. And he's not some giant on a throne of fire on the other side of outer space. He is your daddy. He's your father, and he's looking at you with love. In your imagination, come on, picture God standing in front of you, and he's your dad. And he has a full of a father's love and a father's protection and a father's healing and a father's acceptance 
And I want you to let him hug you and kiss you. Let him hug you and kiss you. Like a good dad would do. Say this out loud. Father, I believe you love me. Father, I believe you protect me. I believe you heal me. I believe you accept me. Thank you for your hug and your kiss. All right, now we need to agree with some more scripture. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Come on, that's the first Bible verse I put on the screen. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. I am safe. I'm loved. I'm provided for. I am protected. I am accepted in Jesus Christ. Now, 2 Corinthians 10, you can open your eyes and look at me. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. The word is arrest. You need to arrest your thoughts in Jesus Christ. Some of you lay awake at night thinking things that are contrary to the love of God. Hello? Some of you do wet when you're driving or in the shower or you're alone at work and you, you let your mind go places about yourself or other people. You need to arrest those thoughts. You need to take those thoughts captive and reject the lies. So again, this is between you and God. I need you to do it out loud. You can cover your mouth with your hand if you want, nobody to hear beside you or whatever. But you need to say this out loud. You need to, you need to name the thoughts that you have entertained in your mind about how unlovable or unaccepted or how unfair everybody is to you, the self-pity or the self-hatred or the judgment and the pride and the fear or whatever it is. We're going to give you a couple minutes here. You need to name them out loud and you need to ask God's forgiveness. And you need to say that's a lie and I reject it. And I replace it with the truth that I am loved and I am safe. I am protected. Right on? Close your eyes. You take time with God. Do this out loud. Speak the truth. Reject the lie. Name the thoughts you have entertained as you meditate in your own heart and mind. And reject them. Father, I see that that's a lie. I'm not unlovable. The truth is that you love me. I'm not unacceptable. I'm not on my own. I'm not alone. I don't need to be a different person. I need to be a new creation in Christ. Just keep talking to yourself. Keep talking to Jesus. Keep talking to that spirit that's whispering in your mind in the middle of the night or when you're on your own, when you get really emotional and kind of crazy. Take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay, here we go. Everybody open your eyes and look at me. Some of you are now free. The stronghold has been dismantled. The lies are broken off. You just needed a reminder of how much God loves you and how completely acceptable and desired that you actually are. And just hearing these scriptures and believing them in faith in your heart, you're going to be free. But some of you that are now standing, you need something more. You need more than just a mind change. You know there is a voice that speaks to you. Like this thing torments me. And I have tried changing the way I'm thinking. And I've tried putting my faith in the word of God. And I've 
tried singing and praying, and, but this thing won't shut up in me. That God hates me, that God doesn't listen to my prayers, that I'm alone, that I need to transition my gender or that I need to kill myself or that nobody loves me or that I need to be tough and, and hide. And some of you, I don't know how many, I don't know if this is three or 18 of you, but some of you need a further breakthrough than just changing your mind. You need, you need set free from the spirit that torments you. If that's you, I want you to come up and stand in a line right here across the front. Don't be afraid. Nothing bad's going to happen. Thank you for being brave. Come on, come on, there's a couple more. Be brave. If anything I, I described this morning or any of the scriptures apply to you, in your heart and mind, your family, your history, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to address it spiritually, okay? You're here telling me this is not just me thinking this way, like, I need set free from something. I'm held captive by this thing that is more than a lie. It's like a force in me that makes me think and feel these crazy things. And, and I want free from it. And I, so I need you to all look me in the eye and tell me you believe everything we have said together just in the last 10 minutes. You believe it with all your heart. Jesus is your Lord. The scripture is true. God is your Father. You're washed in the blood of Jesus. Yes? All right, so we sang it about four different ways this morning, that Jesus is the highest name there is and the spirits must obey him, right? And, and you belong to him, you're washing his blood, and this thing has to go when I command it to go. Yes, and we're going to do it together. We'll just, let's just do this. Let's see what Jesus wants to do. Jesus loves you so much. Don't be afraid. He loves you so much. Rejection, I reject you in the name of Jesus Christ. I command you to leave these people. I command the voice of rejection to shut up. I command it to go. These people are all bought with the blood of Jesus and they know their shepherd's voice and another they will not follow. They will not listen to the voice of self-hatred. They will not listen to the voice of fear. They will not listen to the voice of independence. They will not listen to the voice of control and manipulation. They will not listen to the voice of rejection. They listen to the voice of their shepherd who has made them acceptable in the beloved. They listen to the voice of their father, their Abba, their daddy. So in Jesus' name, I bless each one grace and peace and freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom from independence, freedom from I have to take care of myself, freedom from abandonment. Freedom from surprise. Freedom from pain that happened years ago that still feels fresh. Forgiveness. Forgiveness in Jesus' name. Grace and peace. Peace that passes understanding. Lord, may she know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. May it be settled once and for all in her heart that she is loved, that she's accepted, that she's a daughter, that she has total access to her Father. Grace and peace and love and joy, freedom. In Jesus' name, I command rejection to leave. Shut up and leave. Jesus loves Terry with a great big smile. Her father welcomes her at his table and he loves her so much. Peace that passes understanding. The love 
of a father for a daughter. God loves you so much. Be free from the voice and the lies that tell you you're unlovable and that you're unsafe. You are safe. You are safe. You are safe. You're loved. You're provided for. Your Father loves you so very much. Grace, Lord, grace. Blessing, protection, safety, delight. There's the word right there for you is delight. God delights in you. <laughs> yes. I got a prophecy first service at this point right here that I knew was for multiple people, and I think I'm supposed to say it again. Your heavenly Father knows you're not perfect. That's not news to him. <laughs> and he doesn't expect you to get it all together by tomorrow morning. He is pleasable. Come on, you got to believe this, that my heavenly Father is pleasable even if I'm not perfect. He celebrates progress. He celebrates growth. He isn't some drunken Santa Claus smiling at us no matter what we do. I mean, we all do stupid stuff that makes him angry, but he's pleasable. He loves us so very much. It isn't a meaningless, I'm just pleased all the time, but he's pleasable. And he celebrates growth. He celebrates progress. And you are going to be different because you responded to this this morning. There's going to be progress even this afternoon. You're going to have to learn to take your thoughts captive. You might have some battles to fight, but God is pleased and he delights in you. He loves you so much. You're not rejected. You're accepted. You're not rejected, Nathan. You have a father that loves you. He loves you so much. Jesus. I see the Father kissing your forehead, Nathan, very tenderly, with a big smile on his face. He so loves you. He's so happy. He made you, and you are who he made you to be, and things have happened to you that he didn't intend, but he's making you into who he wants you to be, and he loves you, and he's delighted. He is thrilled that you're in his house, that you're his son, that you're his family. Amen. Okay, let me say one more thing to all of you who stood, whether you came forward or not. It is so important that you learn to take your thoughts captive. And the verse doesn't say, Jesus will take your thoughts captive for you. It says, you take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We can expect big changes, big freedom, because you responded to Jesus and you said, yes, I need help. Jesus, rescue me. He will do it. So whenever those thoughts, whenever those feelings, whenever that voice comes back, you do what Jesus did when Satan came to him in the wilderness, you fight him with the word of God. I just gave you some scriptures that you can throw back in the devil's face. No, I am, I am accepted in the beloved. I am, God chose me on purpose. He picked me. And I will not listen to you. I'm not unsafe. I'm not unloved. I'm not unacceptable. I am accepted. I am loved. I am protected. I, he delights in me. Amen, amen.